Hi, we're Kara and Jill, two trainers, owners of Push Fitness, and the hosts of this podcast. During training sessions with our clients, we often tell them to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And we're saying that right now to you too. Let's push ourselves. Let's push ourselves to see fitness differently. Let's push the envelope when it comes to self-love. Let's push a new narrative about women and weight. Let's push out harmful ideas about the body that are rooted in racism and patriarchy. Let's find a new definition of fitness that welcomes all people. You ready? I'm ready. Let's push push it. it. Hello and welcome to season one, episode two of the Push podcast. We're excited to be on with you again and share some more awesome stuff with you. That's right. Hi, Jill. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing okay. I um, I have coffee and water, so I am totally prepared. <laughs> now, I saw your Starbucks coffee and I'm a little, I'm a little jealous to tell you the truth. It's my <laughs> my husband. He wins an award for being awesome today for that reason. There are other reasons, but coffee's the most important one. Today it's coffee. So today we each have uh have spent some time this morning with some thorns on our sides, right? Yes. Yeah, I know. I I got this so I actually got this whole like what's your rose, what's your thorn thing off of a documentary about a serial killer. Oh, I know. But now, ironically, I use it every night with my kids when I put them down to sleep. I'm like, what was your rose today? What was your thorn? Is this sort of like a screening process to make sure that they're like, (laughs) no, (laughs) just checking. Don't worry. I'm not trying to pull anything on you. Okay, good. Yeah, so why don't you tell me then uh, what what was one of your roses today and what was one of your thorns? Okay, so um, one of my roses, I just had a great day with clients and working with our people just gives me so much joy. So that in general, that's kind of a big fat rose that's always in my life. Um, but I'm also getting an MRI on my knee today, which mm-hmm. might seem sort of like a weird rose, but, um, it's been a long process. Uh, you know, like we're self-employed, so we don't get like the best insurance options. So I had to save for a long time to pay for this MRI. (laughs) So it feels like a long time coming so that I can like start the process to start feeling better because my knee needs surgery. And I've just been kind of doing all of the things I can um, to avoid, I mean, basically to feel not so terrible. So I'm really excited about the MRI, actually. I think, you know, not wanting to feel so terrible is a a wonderful thing that you are more than welcome to feel and experience. (laughs) The way that you said that, I was like, she almost sounds like she's embarrassed. (laughs) Okay, so here's where that comes from. So this is, you picked up on it. So I I saw a post yesterday and I know like sometimes scrolling is kind of fun and sometimes scrolling just makes you feel like shit about yourself. So 
this is the ladder <laughs> where there was another trainer that had posted something about like, you don't need to have surgery. You can just, you know, do these things and feel better in your body. All you need is movement. And as someone who has tried all those things, like I'm a big believer in doing all of the things before you have surgery. I read that and it sort of like, it felt sort of like I got kicked in the gut and I was like, am I jumping the gun? Am I just trying like the easy way out or so anyway, so that's where that was coming from. It like, it kind of sent me into a bit of a spiral where I was <laughs> like, maybe the knee pain is just all in my head. And if I, you know, just <laughs> had this like magic movement that all of it would go away. And, you know, I know rationally that that's not the case, but I mean, I saw the x-rays. I know what's happening in there. And I don't think any amount of, you know, hip circles is going <laughs> to save it's not going to take those bone spurs out. <laughs> right. But can I just say too, like, even though you've, you've seen the x-rays and you know what, like there's some real issues going on with your knees that require surgery. Can I just say that even if you did choose the easy way out, that there's nothing wrong with that? Yes, you can just say that. You certainly can. <laughs> I just did. Because I think that there's, you know, especially in regards to the body, and we're going to talk a, lot, a little bit about that today in our topic, but in regards to the body, I think that being in the fitness industry, there's so much pressure to do things, quote unquote, naturally. And I would argue to say that the most natural uh, path toward feeling better is the one that works. And yeah. it's, there's nothing wrong with, with getting surgery when you need it or electing to have it if you're not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? And if there's so many parallels to the birth industry with that as well. Like when yep. you said that, I feel like you could be talking about birth as well. So, <laughs> I can and I did and we probably will. <laughs> um, but yeah, what you alluded to earlier, my thorn has been, I woke up this morning and I get up at like 5 a.m. to start my early morning clients. And my cousin, who I've not speak, spoken to for, gosh, 10 years so popped onto my Facebook page with a just a, a very racist comment and so I allowed myself to to get into a tiny bit of a uh, argument on Facebook I try not to waste a lot of energy there because um, it's just not worth it most of the time people's minds are not going to be changed um, but I also don't like these comments just sort of hanging out there on my page. Um, so it's trying to navigate, like, do I erase them? Do I address them? Do I like send this person a private message? Like how much energy do I want to spend? Cause this person has been racist for as long as I've been alive. Like I, I remember my parents leaving holiday dinners early because of something just incredibly foul that he had said as a child. So as an adult living, you know, in a very red state with a room full of guns, he's not, you know, he's, he's, he hasn't um, grown from that position. Not going to change anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about you, Jill? Well, you know, one rose would definitely be my coffee that my husband got for me today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I think that um, this builds off of another rose, but we had a, a parenting dispute um, yesterday 
and he he and I did not agree on how something was handled and we worked it out and that was a rose that we were able to discuss it and, and we because our kids are little so you know so far it's just been basic survival skills we haven't gotten to the part where we have uh, tested out our different parenting philosophies so with our oldest almost being five we got to that point and we worked it out and uh, I think that that's part of the rose and I think that's part of the reason I got a coffee today <laughs> nice now did you work it out because you were right <laughs> well let me put it to you this way. Yes. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> love you, honey, if you're listening. But <laughs> love you. But anyway, yeah. So the thorn, like, I, it's funny because Cara and I like to joke that we do everything together because we've um, had some really parallel experiences throughout our lives. And today I was actually arguing on Facebook with. A couple of folks about the same uh, social justice issue that Cara was talking about earlier. When when it comes to police brutality and people reacting to that with, well, if he wouldn't have walked away, and I just I lose my cool completely. Mm-hmm. There's so many issues with that. It just, yeah. Anyway, if you follow us um, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, <laughs> we recently added. You'll, you'll see uh, very clearly where we stand on these issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, so this episode is being recorded just days after yet another black man, unarmed black man has been shot by the police, murdered by the police. And so if you notice that the tone of this podcast is a little heavier, that's why. Mm-hmm. We don't have good poker face with some of this stuff. <laughs> no. And, you know, I think that it's totally okay that, that we don't. And the re- one of the reasons why we wanted to start a podcast is so that you could get to know us in our most authentic way. And our overall tone today, this is our most authentic way. We're feeling heavy and heartbroken and just kind of, not at a loss, but just, just heavy. Like things are just heavy. Yeah. So that's where we're at today. That's where we're at. We're coming to you a little sad and a lot angry. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, For this episode, we are going to be talking about uh, your pelvic floor and Mm -hmm. why we care about it so much. Yes. So this topic is getting more popular than it used to be, which is great. We are very thankful for that. Um, of course, there's that's a two-sided coin. On the one hand, there's lots of great information out there. On the other hand, there are all sorts of uh, pelvic floor exercise tools being marketed that are complete BS. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> yeah, so it's good that it's being talked about so much. Um, And so we wanted to, well, first we want to um, give a few disclaimers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. So the first one, we're going to be talking about the pelvic floor and we will in future episodes as well as it's one of the things that um, as pre and postnatal trainers, we specialize in taking that into consideration. But one disclaimer is that we are not here to diagnose anyone or anything Um, the things that we say about the pelvic floor in these podcasts or on any other um, outlet that we use 
is uh, based off of things that we have learned from other people. We are not pelvic floor physical therapists. We are not doctors. If you have any concerns regarding your pelvic floor or anything else about your body um, that needs some medical attention, please reach out to your healthcare provider and or your pelvic floor physical therapist. Mm -hmm. And the other disclaimer is that when we start talking about pelvic floor issues, we tend to flip really easily into gendered language. Um, these conversations seem to happen a lot around women's bodies and, um, and talking about women. And it's important to remember a few things. That one, everyone has a pelvic floor. And often, while uh, female bodies tend to have more issues due to um, pressure issues and childbirth and things like that. Um, any, everyone has a pelvic floor. The mm -hmm. other thing to consider is that not all people who have children consider themselves women. Right. And so um, we are really working hard ourselves to be careful around how we use gendered language. And so again, just like Jill said, um, you may hear us correct ourselves because it's a process and we're trying to do better. But if you know other ways that we can get better, we are very open to communication about that because um, we know that this is a process and everyone is on their own journey. And so you'll see us on our journey here as you listen to us here. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we do primarily work with women and folks who identify themselves as women. Um, but we, we've also worked with people all across the board. And so we, yeah, like Cara said, we try really hard to um, keep things neutral and respectful of you as an individual. So we'll, we're working on that. Um, so some of the folks that we've learned from in regards to pelvic floor health, how it works and, and things like that, one of the very first people, and we can keep this part short, but one of the very first people we learned from was a physical therapist named Julie Weeby. Um, she, uh, or Weeb, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Julie, if you're listening. <laughs> I don't know if it's Weeb or Weeby, but. Uh, Isn't it funny how like we see something online and like our brains don't process how it's, <laughs> how we say it out loud. <laughs> yes. And while we're at it, my last name is pronounced McLean, not McLean, in case you're reading that. <laughs> But I don't care if you call me either one. Anyway, she uh, she had some pretty groundbreaking um, information about the pelvic floor and how the inner core muscles fire, how they work, and how the core and pelvic floor works together. So we learned a lot from her. Mm -hmm. And then we have subsequently taken courses from Brianna Battle. has a great course on um, um, pregnant and postpartum athleticism. Mm -hmm. Jesse Mundell has a great course on um, pregnancy and postpartum exercise. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, Girls Gone Strong is yep. also, also has a course <clears throat> on pregnancy, training pregnancy and postpartum clients. So yes. um, each had a slightly different take and was incredibly valuable in our own um, process. Um, and, you know, and, and we have taken all of those things into training our clients. Mm -hmm. Yep. We kind of have a little bit of, of everything from all of those different folks that we've learned from. 
and uh, a brief overview of the pelvic floor. Uh, we're not going to go too deep into the mechanics of it because that's not necessarily the um, point of today's discussion, but the pelvic floor muscles, when we say the pelvic floor, we're referring to the muscles, the muscles that lay like a hammock at the bottom of your pelvis and they support um, your pelvic organs and those muscles should contract and relax. Anything else you want to say about it? Your hair looks awesome, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I know that I know our listeners won't be able to see it, but I'm just telling you, it looks great. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So um, the the pelvic floor is really part of a, a of a deeper whole core system that is at the very center of your body, and it is referred to a lot as the anticipatory core, which mm -hmm. is one of the reasons why it's so important. Um, because anytime you move any part of your body, your pelvic floor, diaphragm, multifidus, and transverse abdominis, all four of those muscles should work together in coordination and synchronicity um, to sort of stabilize your body before you move. Yes. Um, and so during, I mean, for all kinds of different reasons, but a lot of times during pregnancy, and those early postpartum months, um, those muscles just don't work the same. They, mm -hmm. they get stretched. The pressure is all different. Our posture changes, which changes the way they fire. Maybe there's um, a separation. Um, maybe they got too tight because they responded to that pressure change. And so that synchronicity of the anticipatory core sort of gets off. And when that happens, our bodies are sort of amazing things and we compensate and with other muscles that aren't part of the anticipatory core. And that's when we start getting pain throughout our body, like knee pain, hip pain, jaw pain, shoulder pain, like because of these compensations. So it's one of the reasons that your pelvic floor health is so important. It's not just like, oh, it's not a big deal if I leak a little bit every time I jump rope. That's, that's not the thing. It's the fact that the very foundation of your body is not working the way it should. And that's a clear sign that, that um, you want to work to address that. Right. Yeah. Those, especially incontinence that seems to be the one that is most common and comes up the most in our conversations with our clients um, and what we always say is that it's common but it's not normal Cara hit hit it right on the head when she said that's a sign from your body that something needs to be addressed and that is definitely when you could go see a pelvic floor physical therapist or go get a referral for one from your doctor um, but yeah I think that it's just assumed sometimes for folks that these are things that you just have to live with after you have a baby. And we're here to tell you that that is in fact not the case. Um, and you know, that circles in my head and it has for a while, like why, why is that? Why is it that we aren't hearing more about these symptoms um, during, you know, training intake questionnaires during, um, you know, why aren't people telling their doctors about this? Why, like, why is this not being spoken about? Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, I think it's because people are conditioned to keep their privates private. Mm -hmm. 
this is funny. I sent you this text yesterday. So we just published our first podcast yesterday. So we're recording this the day after that one went out. And um, I was telling my husband how excited I was about it. And I was like, you'd be so proud of me, honey. I didn't talk at all about our sex life or your penis. (laughs) (laughs) I did not marry you because of your discretion. (laughs) But case in point that, you know, as you listen to these podcasts, you'll probably hear more than you would hear from a lot of people about our privates because part of it is just sort of releasing the stigma of that in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Like let's let's get over that so that we can start getting the help that we need. Right. Yeah. So vagina, vulva, penis, it like I don't know, t- get your teehees out and let's move on. Yeah. Say it with <laughs> But yeah, so one way that we wanted to help release some of that stigma is to talk about our own private parts with you. Um, And I don't know, do you want to share about your stuff first? Sure. I'll I'll share about my stuff. Share your stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, so I, as I talked about in the first podcast, after I had my 12 year old son, I did end up with a lot of complications. I had um, two hernias. I had a lot of leaking. Um, I had pelvic pain, um, especially after sex. Um, and so I have varicose veins, all the, lots, of, lots of the things that can happen uh, during pregnancy. And so I, I had to work pretty hard um, to sort of deal with a lot of that stuff. And some of that was physical therapy. A lot of that was incorporating um, pelvic floor exercises into my workout. And, um, but then I also had to have hernia repair surgery. So I had, there were all the things. (laughs) And so um, I, things were sort of chugging along pretty well, but then also during this pandemic, I had a lot of stress. And I was using exercise as a coping mechanism on top of being stressed. And stress is one of those things that can affect the function of your pelvic floor because it affects your breathing because we tend to get tense in the neck and the shoulders. And then we're just not breathing and relaxing the way that we should be. And so I actually developed a little bit of pelvic organ prolapse during this time, and um, which took me off guard because my youngest is four now, almost five. And so I kind of thought I was past having to worry about some of this stuff. And I don't feel, I don't feel like my body has failed me, um, which is sort of my go-to reaction when something is wrong with my body. Um, it, I just kind of, it's been sort of a, huh, okay. Now I, you know, so now I have to adjust my breathing and, there, it just kind of is what it is, and it doesn't. Um, it's sort of that's that's a, like a personal growth for me. But that is that's what's going on with my hoo ha. Yes. <laughs> what is that? You just popped a song in my head, like hoo ha, hoo ha, hoo. <laughs> so our little jingle might change to that, but anyway. <laughs> 
I did not know there was a hoo-ha song. <laughs> so, anyway, but yes, yeah, so about my journey, um, we talked a little bit about this in the first episode, but uh, when I was pregnant with my oldest son, Jack, who's almost five, um, I had a lot of information that guided me and I had a, a prenatal fitness coach that guided me and I, I seemed to have um, avoided most, if any, um, pelvic floor or um, core issues. I mean, besides the fact that I grew a human and birthed one, you know, those are things that need to, to heal and repair. But I didn't have anything like extra um, pain, incontinence, anything like that. And I thought, oh, it's because I like did all the right things, right? I'm super awesome. Self high five. But no, part of it, part of it is, is that um, the preparation, but part of it also is just genetic. Um, so it's not like, well, while we really believe in taking the measures that you can to reduce the likelihood or the severity of these sorts of things, it's not a guarantee that that's not going to happen. Um, so with my middle son, uh, and he's two now, I developed um, pelvic organ prolapse with him, and he was probably, you know, over a year old before it came up. And, you know, it could have been that overconfidence of, well, I didn't have any problems last time, so I don't need to pay, pay as much attention this time. And, and, you know, who who knows? But the point is that you can do, quote unquote, all of the right things and this stuff will still come up. And the reason that we care so much and that we want to talk to you about it is because I would love if everybody arrived where Kara has and where I have eventually in that this is, this is not a judgment about you or your body. This is information about your body. And then we can decide what to do with that information. And, um, you know, my youngest is nine months and I have, um, I still have the prolapse. Um, I don't know if it's uh, worse than before or if it's a, like another one. So I, I don't know, but I have the information that it's there. And so I can, I can honor that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we sometimes we can do all the right things and prevent it. Um, but sometimes we can't, we can do all the right things and not prevent it. Mm -hmm. And so it is knowing how to listen to your body going forward. That is the most important thing. And that's one of the differences between, you know, these quick fix programs or these tummy fixing programs and stuff that, that people are selling is that, you might not heal completely. Like your belly may not ever look exactly how it did before you had that baby, um, but it might function really well. You might be able to find ways to move your body that still bring you a lot of joy and still really challenge you um, while still having a prolapse or a diastasis. And so um, the language around the pelvic floor and pelvic floor health has been changing and I'm really happy to see it. It's been changing within us as well. Because if you heard us talk about this four years ago, it would have been do these things and you can prevent the problems. Mm -hmm. And the more we know, the more research we've had, and um, the more people we have worked with, we realize that it isn't about the prevention as much as it is about knowing how to listen to your body and then how to pivot from there. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you touched on this uh, already uh, in talking about your own journey. And I just wanted to circle back around to that. Like we recognize too, that um, not only are these things that we're conditioned not to talk about because it's, you know, quote unquote private, but also we recognize that peeing yourself when you pick up your kid might make you feel really crappy about yourself. Yeah. Ha- having a rectocele where you can't eliminate fully in the bathroom might not be making you feel all that sexy. Like yeah. we, we recognize that. And so, you know, we're also grappling with, with how those things affect your body image when we're talking about these things. And that's one of the other reasons why we care so much to talk about it. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that is so huge is that, um, just like I was saying that my go-to and something, when my body's not working the way I want it to, I tend to have this little voice in the back of my head that is like, well, your body sucks. Mm-hmm. Or I can, I, it's like, if something, if I'm sick or if I'm in pain, it's almost like when I look in the mirror, I see my body differently mm-hmm. and I cannot be the only one. Um, I know I'm not the only one because I talk to people about it all the time that are feeling and experiencing the same things. So if we can have more of an open dialogue in general, in society, in our gyms, um, about these kinds of things, then we can really take a big step towards maybe clearing off that like film of negativity that we can see ourselves through when we're sort of, co- when we're coping with some of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's say that like now let's say that we've arrived at, you have this information about your body and you come in to train with us and then it's like, okay, well now what do I do? Um, and one of the ways that that we incorporate pelvic uh, floor considerations into our training sessions with our clients is we first we honor the history of their body like how what their birth experience was like because that matters Um, and we we base it around how you feel and teach you what listening to your body even means like we have this really awesome um, online course called Fit Foundations. Uh, If you go to our website, you'll see it for sale there. And it goes over in detail, like all of the things and what, what to do, like what you can do with that information. So I just, there's, yeah. Yeah. And it's not a, if you have incontinence, do this. No, it's how, how to listen specifically to your body's cues and then make adjustments based on that. Like, how do you adjust your breathing? How can you adjust your posture? How can you adjust the actual exercise and trying all those different things out and reading what your body's telling you based on that? So, um, yeah, it's, I I mean, we're biased, but it's it's pretty spectacular because there's not a lot of other programs that are telling you how to listen to your body. It just sort of gives you this prescription like, oh, okay, so here's, and so. Yeah, here's your six-week tummy program to fix your diastasis. And the thing is, is like, it's not, it's healing, postpartum healing is not a linear process. There is no like hard and fast rules, do this and this will happen. And it's just, it really comes down to the power of it depends. Like Mm -hmm. whether or not you do a certain exercise 
or what, uh, mo what modifications you make in your exercise program, it really depends on not only those things that we mentioned, like honoring your history, your birth experience and things like that, but how you feel that day. Like, you know, Cara, you talked about um, the stress of the pandemic and, and the toll that it takes on our bodies. Like we're experiencing thing now, things now in our bodies that we might not be if it weren't for the global pandemic and some of the other current events that are brought to light in the world. So it, it might depend on the day. So there's, there's a lot of power and it depends. And it's frustrating because it's not clear, but. <laughs> when talking about it depends, the, some of the people that I love who like really nail this um, are Anthony Lowe. He is a uh, physiotherapist out of Australia and he is amazing. So it, um, I think he's a physio detective online. Yeah. Uh, but if you're, if you're interested in following someone who like can really nail this concept, he's your guy. And then from him, you know, he's got a lot of people who also work sort of with and around him. Um, but again, Brianna Battles nails this topic. Like the, it depends. So mm -hmm. can you do this exercise? I don't know. Can you? <laughs> Let's see. Let's see how you do it with some more weight. Let's see how you do it with this breathing pattern. Let's, you know, like, what if we change this little thing? And so um, I really like that. And I love also the, um, the emphasis on variability when it mm -hmm. comes to uh, the pelvic floor as well. Um, and this is where, like, you can incorporate lots of different things like this is where like CrossFit can come in very I don't I don't know I still I still have a bone to pick with CrossFit I don't even like use it but like a functional <laughs> fitness this <laughs> yeah with functional fitness come in handy or mobility training can come in handy because it gives your body more variability and you're you're basically have better tools to um sort of work with uh, your pelvic floor dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there, I think that the, the overarching message of the pelvic floor, um, and the symptoms of dysfunction that become present, like what we want to emphasize is that those are not necessarily things that you have to live with. Um, you can you can seek treatment. You can try um, different breathing strategies, exercises, things like that. Looking for um, personal trainers who specialize in uh, pre and postnatal training. All of those things are avenues that you can take um, to improve these symptoms, to feel better about your body, and in turn, feel better about yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's that's all we've got for you today. Um, thank you so much for listening. And if you like our podcast, make sure that you like, share, comment, give us a review. Um, all of those things make us more visible to more listeners so that we can find more people just like you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. See you next time.